Hello world and thank you for tuning into Tsunami Radio, using the world's sound waves to keep you grounded. I am your host, Dami Tsunami, and the title of this episode is Roots. The reason why I decided to title this episode Roots is because this being my first podcast, I thought it would be best to give you guys a brief walkthrough of my history and also my mother's history because I'm nothing without her. And I do feel that, you know, it's only fair that she be able to, you know, give somewhat of her story while I give mine because those are two totally different uh, perspectives, you know. So without further ado, we'll be starting today's episode with a quote from the late Nelson Mandela. And open quote, it says, there is nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways that you yourself have altered, end quote. And the reason why I chose this quote is because I feel like it's true in its entirety, you know. I'm originally from the Bronx, New York. I have traveled to many places and, you know, most of my youth, I grew up there. My, you know, my teenage years, I I experienced there. And a lot of the times when I go back now, I see a lot of the same things going on. And I see how me, myself, has changed many of the things that, uh, how I view things, how I do things, the things that I want to partake in has changed totally so to go back and visit those places is like damn you know some people don't have that mindset to be able to evolve some people don't evolve some people stay stuck in that and you know in that mindset or in that environment feeling that there is nothing else other than what they know not knowing that they can broaden their horizon just by taking a step just outside the neighborhood. So um, that's the reason why I chose that quote. And uh, like I said, today I have my mother with me co-hosting. And um, so I call her by Mama Love, my lovely mother that I love dearly. (laughs) Uh, She's also known as Maltica. But she's best known as Mazda 626, okay? <laughs> Mama, you want to say something? Hello, guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation that I'll be expressing with y'all and maybe learn a lesson or two. Okay, that that's good, Mom. I think they're going to have a lot to learn from you. Um, let's start off with your age, mama. I know a lot of women don't like to say their age or put it out there, but first of all, you look damn good for your age. So, how old are you? I am 53 years old. No shame about it. Okay, and let them know where you're from. I am originally was born in Manhattan, New York, but I was raised in the Bronx. And of course, you know me and the person that I am. I am very international. <laughs> let them know. Let them know, our listeners, because they don't know. I know. But let the listeners know what that means. When I rephrase to the point that I say I'm international because I have been blessed back then, not knowing what I know now, 
with different cultures, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Italians, Russians, Albanians, you name it, I know them. Mm-hmm. One way or another, in right. good terms and in bad ones. And you adapt to and, their cultures quickly. And, and I'm a person that I could honestly say, I call myself that I'm international because I could reflect to an unknown situation and adapt to it like in a moment right you understand that mm-hmm. i'm able to you're a chameleon you're a chameleon totally. honestly guys when i see her you know i have to say we've been through our trials our tribulations but me being the woman that i am today and i thank god for giving me such wisdom i see how her what I at once at one point what I then thought were flaws, I see how she uses those abilities to survive. Those are survival skills, you know what I'm saying? She can land in any environment and adapt. That's why I refer to the term <coughs> chameleon. You know, they a chameleon blends in with what with its background. And not that, you know, she doesn't know who she is, but she knows how to make everyone else feel comfortable in her environment. You know, she can come in a stranger and leave a family member, you know, and that's mom is one of the things that I admire most about you. And one of the things that I learned from you, because I too carry that with me now, you know, a lot of the times now in day and age in this society, people's like, oh, you know, uh, here in Philly, because we're 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 here in Philly now. We're New Yorkers, but we're here in Philly now. And a lot of the, the term that I hear thrown around is called being Joe. Now I don't use that term. I don't think that I will ever use that term. I think it's corny, but that's because I'm not from Philly. It, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised with it. Philadelphians here, they use the term Joe. And this basically means, you know, like, when you ride in somebody's wagon. Like, you know, when, when you when you are too friendly. You know, and at, at, at one point, you know, growing up when you're younger, you know, when you with your friends and stuff, they think that, oh, yeah, like, you're being too friendly, blah, blah, whatever. But as you get older, you realize you got to network. You want to make money. You got to network. There's certain things that you have to do. It's not called being friendly. It's called networking. It's not called having friends. It's called having associates. It's called broadening your horizon. You know what I'm saying? So let's get back to the topic, though. Um, Let them know what your nationality is, what your ethnicity is. My ethnicity is we are African, Puerto Rican, Philippine. And Cuban is a whole mess. That's why I say I'm international. Um, but basically, but what's I, your mother and what's your mother, father? My mother, my mother is from Spain, and my father comes from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So, but basically, I'm just a straight up Bronx girl. That's all I could honestly say because that's what I know. I've okay. learned. She's trying to be regular degular like Cardi B, you know what I'm saying? But, okay, she's just your regular Bronx girl. Um, All in all, uh, me, myself, with her being my mother, I'm everything she just said. I consider myself to be Puerto Rican and Dominican because my father is Dominican and she is, for the most part, Puerto Rican. And, um, you know, I I would consider myself being, and it's funny, 
because I was raised mostly with my Puerto Rican side of the family, but I consider most of my traits to be more Dominican. Yes, it is. It is. And the reason being is not only because of my physical attributes, but because of some of my upbringing. Part most of the years <coughs> uh, that I was being brought up, it was by my older sister and her husband, who was Dominican. And, um, you know, that culture just stuck to me more and it, it made me feel grounded more than I can say what my Puerto Rican side did. Because I felt kind of scattered with my Puerto Rican side. Sure. And to see, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, they had their issues, whatever. But to see the unity that they managed to keep through it all, through the dramas and everything that they had. I felt like, you know, this is how it should be. This is what I should do. So I do consider myself to be um, more Dominican than Puerto Rican, but I am Puerto Rican and Dominican. And, um, you know, overall, I would consider us to be Afro-Latinas because, like she said, you know, when it comes to all Hispanic cultures, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, you know, um, we, we have a lot of yeah we have a lot of similarities you know we all talk spanish and it may be one or two words may be may mean something different but the culture is all the same it all really evolves revolves around love exactly. honestly it all revolves around love from what i've seen it's like the hispanic culture you know um like you adapts adapts to like their environments and you know we try to welcome everyone with open arms and we are brown skin so that's why you know we consider ourselves afro latina like we got curly hair you know sometimes it could get napped up you know so you know overall back to the subject at hand uh we are afro latinas that's what we consider ourselves so back to you mama what is the earliest memory in your childhood that you can remember? Whether it be good or bad? Well, if I was to honestly keep it 100, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because this brings me back to a canine dog and a little boy named Sammy. My older sister Maria was being a foster parent to a little boy named Sammy. When Sammy came. How old were you? I was about seven, okay. six, seven. Okay. Um, Sammy came to the house, and we brought the dog also at that time. Well, Sammy and the dog became best friends. Now, I was a greedy. They used to call me food truck because I was always eating, <laughs> you know. And, well, one morning, there was a loaf of bread. <laughs> and Sammy had the loaf of bread. Sammy was two years old. He was tugging it all over the place, and I wanted some bread. So Sammy, I asked him for bread, and he wouldn't let go of the bag, so I snatched the bag off of Sammy. When I did that, Sammy, of course, threw a tantrum, and little did not here comes Brownie, our dog, and whoops, bites me on the head. No. But I felt nothing. I really didn't find nothing because I was too more eager to eat the bread, honestly. Because <laughs> that's how greedy I was. So I'm eating the bread away and all of a sudden I feel gush coming down my face. What happens? The dog bit me. They take me to the hospital. Little it might be. 
I wind up getting a hundred and something stitches. What? Okay. So wait a minute. This is the plate that you got. Yes. Because you got a plate in your head, right? Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't because of that first incident. Oh, okay. I was supposed to learn my lesson then, but I didn't. I don't know what conflict me and Sammy had <laughs> that once again, Sammy's here with the bread, and I wanted bread again. I take the bread from Sammy, and I run to the bathroom this next time that this happened. It was the worst of situation because this time the dog snapped and stood in my head. Okay, mm. this is where I wind up having a metal plate installed in my head because his fan went too much inside the temple of my brain. They say okay. his fan was able to touch the brain, so okay. they had to seal it with a plate. Wow. You know, but it still didn't stop me. I still ate the bread. <laughs> Shit, I didn't give a damn. You know? All right, all right, mama. She, my mama done got some stories, guys. I got to let you know. But, mom. Another thing, just so, just so we can have this clear, because you know our family is big. Let's try not to name drop, okay? Just okay. just to avoid certain situations and, you know, certain people feeling some type of way. At the end of the day, you say whatever you got to say. Let's just not name drop. That way, if the shoe fits, it fits. Right. If you get a phone call later on talking about whatever, it's going to be whatever. But just for uh, listeners' sake. Yes. And you know to give the well, respect to to give the respect <coughs> to our loved ones because regardless of ups and downs they are our loved ones. Let's not name them. Now Sammy ain't a loved one. I don't know this nigga. You know he probably don't even remember the story. But um, moving forward, let's just try not to name drop when 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 we move on to the next couple questions okay well i'll try my best (laughs) all right so my next question is what are the best or what is one of the best and one of the worst memories of your mom wow that was a hard one you just kicked in i can honestly i want y'all to understand and and excuse me if you feel my voice kind of hoarse because I am a little bit sick. But, man, when it comes to my mother, I really can't find any words to fit in just right because it was like everyone else seen it as living with like a Jekyll and Hyde, but I was always part of her life because, like I said, my mom did suffer from mental issues and... You know, some of us will remember, some of us didn't remember, you know, when she went on her off wagon. But I was always part of her intake, whether she was all up there or not there at all, me and my little brother. Right. So, with that being said, I will actually have to tell you that. But let me just say, I think that we should start with the worst and then finish it with the best. For her memory's sake. That way we can end it on a... And and that question on a good note. Well, the worst memory that I could have of my mother would actually have to be that me, myself, caused it. Because, you know, back then I was only seven. Like I said, she had mental issues. And I literally lied on her and said that she beat me in order for her to go to a mental hospital because that's what mm. I was wow. told to say. 
wow. at that moment. Right. So when I said it, I couldn't take it back, and she wound up going to right. jail. And you know, can for, I ask who 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 who, was, who stirred this up? Okay, don't was, name drop, but who uh, stirred this up? You know, it was a family member. You okay. know, a uh, a uh, uh, a close a close member to her. I'm not okay. even gonna get too detailed okay. on that because I really don't want nobody to mm-hmm. feel some type of way. But at the same time, you know, when I did that, mm-hmm. that I thought that I that was the best thing I was doing to help her. And I wind up sticking her in jail. I I went through so much physically. Mm. Not as much as because I lied, but physically because I put her there. And putting her there. Physically or mentally? Physically and mentally. Because mentally, I couldn't forgive myself because I knew she was there because of me and I lied. Right. And physically because I literally was tortured. Wow. When I say literally, I was literally tortured. You know, I would get up. They would wake me up with a smack of raw, wet newspaper so I could get up and press um, my clothes, my little sister's clothes, my little brother's clothes, wow. and seven other children's clothes to go to school. Wow. You know? Now, but, you know, I'm, I'm just going to pay you back off that. It's, it's crazy that you say that because, you know... Your kids, me, my siblings, we live similar circumstances. And it's, you know, it's crazy to see how, you know, the same trials and tribulation goes happens from, from generation to generation, you know. And we don't understand why we try to break it, you know. And I think that right now, honestly, uh, my generation has been the generation to break a lot of of, yes. Of, yes. Um, yes. Bad y'all habits. Yeah, a lot of bad lot of shit. habits. We, we wouldn't get away with. We did get away with a lot of stuff, <laughs> but now in our adulthood, <clears throat> I think that we also turned out to be a lot more responsible mm-hmm. yes, and I, a lot I more independent. Uh, no offense than what your generation yeah, was. Yeah, I would have to say that. I would have to say that because in our generation, we always had our mother's backbone, regardless of. If we had one kid, five kids, ten mm-hmm. kids, our mother was there. Mm-hmm. And when and when some of my siblings didn't have the opportunity to have their mother there, here you have a brother with two sisters that was willing to raise his children mm-hmm. and give them the home. You understand? When I was growing up, we had 27 motherfuckers living in the same motherfucking room. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how that was. We was living right. with an uncle and two sisters. Right. So they hold themselves down. Those are the entrepreneurs of my background. Mm -hmm. We are here today because of these three brothers. You know, they keep it tight no matter Mm -hmm. what. And even though we went through so much stuff, good and bad, Mm -hmm. we are. Today we are the women that we are because of these three brothers. Right. And sisters, you know, they they kept us together no matter what. No one was better than the other, mm-hmm. even though they always had their favorite. Right. You know, I was my mama's favorite. She had seven kids, mm-hmm. so you know that alone came with a, with it was a plus for my mother with me. But then again, I had six other ones that were trying yeah, to kill right, me. Right, right. Because you know I All was right. mama's favorite. All right, mama. So now that that was the worst. <coughs> that was the worst memory. What was the best memory? Man. 
I got away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, everywhere I went. I remember particularly one time I was like maybe, because I was a hot mess, man, for real. I think I was about nine, and I caught my first crush. And I ran, I, I ran and came out the window, and I was hanging out with this particular guy. And um, it was three-something in the morning, and we had the landlady's next door that there was a set of twins that were black women. They were, <laughs> they were the best Christmas and Halloween givers. We had good stuff from them, but they were snitches, right? <laughs> then we had the landlady that lived in the first floor and made her soul rest in peace. Her name was Ursula. No name dropping. Wow. No, I can tell because she was Ursula's a good woman. Ursula's kids, right? Nah, nah. kids are grown men. They're already in, in, in rehabilitation. Wow. They, they, they all right. Now, all right. You ain't, ain't got to talk about but, people. But I ain't talking about people. I'm just saying the truth. But they were, it was all out of love. Even though they were snitches out, they were, it was all out of love. But there was this particular lady that she was always on my ass because, you know, she always wanted to have a conflict with my mom. So everything that I would do, she would speak on it. So this particular day, I ran out. You know, I snuck out the house. I was three-something. Well, now I'm outside with a baby doll, you know, trying to be cute and shit, right? <laughs> Mind you, this lady seen me. So I didn't care. You know, I know she was going to go snitch or whatever. But I had a rule. When I used to sneak out, I would be in my house before my mother woke up. So by the time my mother woke up, she left me in the bed sleeping. And she found me in the bed in the morning to go to school. Right. So who could say I wasn't Wait, home? how old was you when this was, I was going nine. on? Wow. I was nine. That's crazy. I was nine. I, I had a big crush on this guy. At that time, he was, he was what, maybe... 17. Oh, hell no. Nah. You was wallet. So, so. <laughs> Alright. So, but know. then again, we are speaking on generations then. You know, back then, niggas used to, uh, uh, 25-year-old used to get married to a 12-year-old then. Emancipation no, but, right away. But, let's, but let's get back to, to your story, though. Let's you get back to your story. You had to blame society a lot for that because we had a lot of blackouts. Alright. You couldn't watch cartoons, <laughs> so you had to do something, you know? Alright, well, come on. Back to okay, the story. Okay, so. I went and I snuck out. This lady comes early in the morning. I'm getting ready to go to school. She comes knocking on the door to tell my mother that I'm outside hanging out till four something, three something in the morning. So my mother's telling her, what is you talking about? My daughter just woke up. She was sleeping. No, I'm telling you, she was outside. I'm telling you, she's hanging out with those boys. She's probably having sex. Wow. No, you know how this was. My mother was three, seven. Now, nine. was you having sex at that time? Well. You was nine years old. Well, she's dead now, so I can confess, you know. Yeah, I was having sex. What? You know what I'm saying? At nine? Yeah, you you know, you used to do the little sock dicks and stuff to fuck with oh, your clothes wow, on. Yeah. Oh, you like was dry that. humping. You yeah, was dry, dry humping. Dry humping. All right, we dry all done been there. Don't act like y'all ain't been there. We no, all we done dry, dry humped somebody. We was dry humping. <laughs> okay. But, you know, so the lady got fucked up. My mother beat her ass in the whole way because wow. she came to talk shit about me and my mother found me in my bed. I felt bad for the lady, but at the same time, she didn't have to snitch, right. you know? And then? So, as time go by and I'm getting older, she decides she's going to get me on tape because I kept sneaking out. Mm-hmm. So, this particular day, she comes, it was a summer night, 
she comes and she grabs me on tape, man. But I've still got home on time, you know, got up waking up to go to school like nothing happened. Walk out my room, my mother's sitting with the lady having coffee and crackers, you know. Because, mm. you know, that was the shit. In right, the right, right. So I just. That Cafe Butelo, shout out to Cafe Butelo. So I just looked at the lady, you know, and I was like, damn, what's she doing here? So my mother, you know, told me, yo, come here, you know, you got something to say? Because my mother didn't speak English, but when she was mad, you know, and she said your whole motherfucking government name, my Taiti Pagan, you know you was in trouble. Because <laughs> she normally called me my Tita or my Taiti, you know, sweet names. I know I was in the good with her, but when she said my whole full government name, I said, well, something went down wrong. Right. So now I go to the kitchen. I say, you know, what happened? Mama? I'm going ready to go to school. She said, no, you're not going to school today. You need to talk. I said, no, but I got to go to school. <laughs> she said, no. You got to make it today. You're not, you're not going to school today. Sit down. Right. So everybody left to school except me. What happened? So she asked me if I needed anything to say to her. Or if I was lying about anything, I told her no. But wait a minute, you was in what was the season? Cause I know New York be brick ass <coughs> in the winter time. So I know you wasn't sneaking out in the winter time. Girl. The last time I snuck down the slut thing, I fell in the bottom of the pitch of the house. Cause it was a private house, three floors. And you had to jump from one window, which was the bathroom window, to go to the hallway window. You know, to get downstairs. But if you get to the hallway window, you had to be very quiet. You couldn't have no shoes on or nothing because the lady would see you, the landlord. She would hear you. know, She was a light sleeper. Mm-hmm. So I had my socks on and stuff like that. I went to snip on the thing, but the edge was wet, so I fell down. It was wintertime? It was wintertime. Just a little bit All right, down. but now we back, we back in the kitchen. We back in the we kitchen. We back in the kitchen. So now I had no choice but, you know, to tell her still that I didn't do it. I don't know wow. what they're talking about. Now you reminded me so of Peacock. She, she's looking at my face and she's telling me, you telling me you didn't do anything. I said, no, I was sleeping. You woke me up to go to school. She said, yeah, okay. So then she asked this lady, I don't remember her name. We ain't name dropping, Ma. But she asked this lady, she asked the lady, you know, that what she had to say to tell me in my face. Mm-hmm. And the lady said, you know, I seen you outside late. You was this morning outside. I said, I don't know what you're talking about because I was sleeping. Mm. She said, you're going to tell me in my face I'm a liar. And I was like, I don't know. I was acting, you know, acting all attitude mm-hmm. up, started crying. I didn't want to be bothered. People was <laughs> judging me. They blaming me. you? <laughs> this lady took out her whole recorder, man, and showed my mother. Mm, they had a recorder back then, too, right? Oof, baby. My mother said, I know that's you because I hear your voice. I said, but that could be anybody. You can't see nobody. There's nobody there. That's just people talking. She said, no, I know you. That was you. Mm. So, you know, the lady left after she drank her coffee and everything. My mother sent me to my room. They finished their little conversation. So I'm thinking I'm in the clear. Now, mind you, hold on, guys. Mind you, this is the best memory. So I want to hear how this is going to end because this is the best memory. Yeah. I thought the best memory was going to be some Christmas story. I thought it was going to be some quinceanera type shit. I want to hear this. Go ahead. Nah, so then she go and she, you know, she beat me up. Not beat me up, but act like she beat me up. But here comes the part that was best for me. Right. Because here comes my sister. She asked my sister. Maria. I 
just said no name dropping. <laughs> I, I forget, you know, I, I, I've been... All right, go ahead, go ahead. But the, me and my sister are cool, she knows. So anyway, I asked my sister, you know, she called my sister, my sister came over, and they talking, whatever, so my sister feel that she needs to put her hands on me. Right. <laughs> So she goes in there, oh, you think you big? And bye, 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 she stopped beating me. You know, she's hitting me. So I start screaming like I'm dying. <laughs> you know? So here come my mother running like, oh, tu la estas matando, que tu estas haciendo. I say, oh, she choked me, she choked me. Me hablo el pelo, me está matando, mira, porque. I couldn't breathe, I was all alive, but I, you know, I had to play my show. My mother winds up kicking her ass and throwing her out the house. Wow. <laughs> After she called her there. Yeah, then she took me up to Sullen Boulevard and shit. You know, in Fort Road, we bought some stuff. Wow, so, took you shopping so and shit. Was, you know, it was good. All right, so that, that was, a, I give you some. That, that was a bittersweet, that was a bittersweet memory right there. I, I can't, I can't. So, you know, with the couple little stories that you already done told, it sounds like, you know, it was like your childhood was somewhat of a roller coaster. Yeah, it sounds like it was a roller coaster. What more can what you know? What more can you elaborate from your childhood? Okay. Like, how was your childhood overall? Okay, my childhood overall was it was good and bad because it was good for my benefits because I used to get away with a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I lived a lot of stuff. You know, I I, I lived with my mother in empty empty buildings. Wow. Not that nobody lived in the buildings, but it was just me, my mom, my stepdad, and my little brother. In an abandoned building. Abandoned building. Wow. I you understand? So, basically that, you know, we had some run-ins with one of my brothers, you know, because, you know, as life is, you know, it is what it is. I don't have to patch it up because mm-hmm. you and the viewers can understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. You understand? But at the end of the day, he's my brother, mm-hmm. you know? So I had to live through that audacity. And... It made me, it made me somewhat self-centered. You understand because I didn't, I didn't believe, really and truly. The only love that I knew that loved me was my mom. Other than that, I thought that nobody really loved me. You understand? Right. And it's, and it's a shame because. Did you even feel this way after having your kids? It's funny that I was getting there. In a way, honestly speaking, I I sit back and and I re, I could recall and see I wasn't I don't consider myself a bad mom, but I could have been a better mom. And the reason I say this is because there was a lot of times. Now we're gonna get to certain stuff. Wait, we, we're gonna get to some of those other topics. So just so we don't defer from. What's going on right now? Remember, we're talking about your childhood. Yeah, my childhood. Okay. My childhood. I'm talking about my childhood. So, you know, I could have been a better mom. And we're going to leave at that until we get to where Mm -hmm. we need to get at that topic. But as a child, man, I I I had some bruises and bumps. But I could literally say that I wouldn't trade nothing. Nothing. Because at the end of the day, my mother may... My mother made the Bronx feel like it was motherfucking Graceland. You right, understand? Right. So 
I didn't need for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had it all. I had it all. Me and my siblings had all. Oh, well, I really had it all. Well, I'm going to keep the focus on And me. you know what? It, that's that's so you know? great to hear because, you know. So you're not the youngest of your no, siblings. No, I have you're two not. more siblings that are small. A right. girl and a boy. Right. And then I but have... you felt like, in a way, you was the baby. You were treated as one of them. Yeah. Now, I know my Uncle Will. I, I know I just named you, but I just said Will. You know, he was treated as one of the babies. Yeah, we, me and him. But you felt the like the preference, the right? Me and him, honestly speaking, was the prince and king. Right. You know, everything that we decided or wanted, that's what it went for. Right. But now I got something to tell you that. It's kind of funny. <laughs> now that you went with my into this. Check this out. We had a monkey, right? <laughs> we was living in They had a monkey. I wish we I was, could have a we, monkey. We, we Go was ahead. living in Brian and 172. I have an uncle, and I'm going to mention his name because I love him to death, even though he was obnoxious. His name was Mandaloco. <laughs> this nigga comes to my house. My mother, we had just finished coming from school, me and my little brother, and my mother cooked some pork chops, beans, and white rice. The monkey's in the cage. I don't know what it was that the monkey did not like him. So every time my uncle would come... My, the monkey would take his shit and throw it on my uncle. Right? So he got back at the monkey because he killed the monkey, you know. He made us go through shit, you know. But the what I want to talk about is this particular day, my uncle comes all drunk. Talk about he want to eat. Now, mm-hmm. me and my little brother are sitting in the table. My mother had just served us food, right? I got two nice, greasy pork chops. My brother <laughs> got two pork chops. And we eating it with our rice and beans. <coughs> he comes and he tells my mother, hey, serve me some food. So my mother said, okay, you know, I cook for the kids, but I, I, I'll give you some food, you know, whatever. So she goes and serves him some rice, beans, and she fries some eggs for him because there was no meat. <laughs> By the man. Right. So this nigga caught himself trying to come from across the table to get my meat from from Your my plate. plate. Right. You know, I said, uh-uh, that's mine. You know? He said, but you got two. I said, I don't care. They belong to me. Right, right. So I said, you can't take my brother's either. I put my hand on my brother's no. plate. So... This nigga didn't give a damn, and he took the meat off my plate. So I threw the plate overboard. I started screaming. My mother comes back out. So my wife, I said, he stole my meat. He stole my meat. My mother came and said, yo, what you doing? You know, you don't even supposed to be here. I'm, I'm being nice to you. Getting food. You want to take my kids? I said, yeah, he's taking our stuff. He's taking <laughs> our stuff. So I got a cocotazo for that. Because wow. I was between two brothers. Right, I right, right. You understand? That was, that was so I was mad. Right? You took me. He took my pork chop. I got a cocotazo because of that, right? So now I'm taking the plato that I threw on the table back to the thing with my cup. What happened? Now, wait a minute. Let me let them know. Just so y'all know, because I know y'all getting some Spanglish mixed here, because we like it. <laughs> a coco tasso is when someone balls up their fist, lifts their middle finger just slightly while in the knuckle to give you a hard knock on your head. That's a coco tasso. <laughs> Go ahead, mama. So, and then he came and he pushed me. I was washing a glass cup. So, the, when he pushed me, my hand went completely in the glass and it broke. To this day, you can see I have the mark there. 
that he did, right? So he comes. I see the blood. Now, this is my time for revenge. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get you, sucker. You made me get a cocoa so you're going to get fucked up. Right. So I started screaming, ah, he coming, he coming, he coming. My mother runs right back out and sees the blood. Mine was a little nip, but she all she saw was blood. So she came and she started beating him up. He ran. She ran after him with the machete. So when she got him in half of the block down the block, she smashed him with the machete and gave him a black eye. Oh, my God. You know? So my mother and her childhood stories. Y'all, y'all are so lucky to be hearing them firsthand. But moving forward, Ma, when was it that you had your first child? Well... How old were you when you had your first child? 13. You was 13. Now, mind you, she was only dry humping at 9. So, you know what I'm saying? It was bound to happen soon enough. (laughs) 13, you had your first child. How was that experience for you? Well, keeping it honestly, keeping uh, keeping it honestly, like you said, I was dry humping at 9. I became a sex offender a at, sex the age, offender. at the age of eleven. Yeah, cause I, I raped a girl in the boy in the boys and girls club, cause you know it was things of a locker thing. You know what I'm saying? All right, go so, ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to know what it was. All right, and all right. Your first child. My first child was at thirteen. Okay. Well, I became pregnant at thirteen. I had at fourteen. Okay. And how was that for you? Like, how, how what did you feel, you know, having a child? Oh, it was like having a age? doll. It wasn't like having no doll. Yeah, because I didn't take care of my mother did. Yeah, but I you just... didn't buy half the store. What, what, what did you go through at that early age of, you know, being pregnant, the feelings of being pregnant? Nothing. I was spoiled. Birth. Did girlfriend? you have her naturally? Yeah, I was spoiled. She, was, she only took five minutes and she came out. So I don't really don't know. Oh, I, I never that's why you have five. Because it was like... Yeah, I never experienced. My longest childbirth was 15 minutes. And it was because of my son. Okay. He didn't want to come out. He kept right. playing. So on a more serious note now. This is already... Now you had your child at 13. Now, this next question I'm going to ask you. Because let me just let you guys know. It has been... Uh, Whirlpool? Not even a whirlpool, but I think the roller coaster ride <coughs> for you has been worse than. They, they haven't invented a fucking roller coaster in the real world yet for the ride that your life has taken you on. So I'm not even going to compare you to the Six Flags one because that, w- that won't be, even be nothing. So my next question is at what point did you decide? Because you done already had your kid. After that, you decided to get in the drug game. What no, point were you in deep. your life? What mentally? At what point were you in your life mentally, and physically, whatever the circumstances that you decided? All right, I wanna, I wanna partake in this drug game now. But I was, I was in the drug, in the drug game since I was eleven. Since you were eleven. Since I was eleven. You know, I used to see here and there, go here, go over there. You know, I really didn't know what I was doing. What niggas was getting paid a thousand, two thousand dollars to do, I would do it for five, ten dollars. Because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Back then. Right. You understand? 
So as I became mature, and not mature because I, I still gonna say I was still naive and sad at one point, but when I moved from my from my zone and I came uptown, that's where I, that's where I learned more about the graphic. It was funny because it was like a Bonnie and Clyde thing, me and my brother. You understand? This is your little brother. Me and my brother. I ain't going to say little or big. Me and my brother. Oh, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, we became... we became, Now she don't want to name drop, but okay. Yeah, because we talking about something more <laughs> level. You know what I'm saying? She got her senses back now. So, right. you know, at the end of the day, we was there for each other. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, my mama always told me that me and him will be will be one at all times. Right. And to this day that she has passed on for so many years, I always try to live I always try to live that consistency of being one. Right. Whether they come to me or not. Okay. I try to live by her okay. goals. Okay, but yeah, getting back to the game, you know, I, I learn a lot. You know what I'm saying? I the only thing I regret about being in the game, honestly speaking. No, no, I ain't say regret. Let's get back to the to the question. What made you decide to get into it? I needed shoes. I was. I I, I needed <laughs> shoes. I wanted to flex. You know what I'm saying? I was but used yeah, to. From what listen, I hear, listen, listen, from listen, what listen, I've listen, heard, listen. Don't cut me. Listen, listen. Okay. I was used to having everything I wanted and needed, and not even needed. You understand me? From my mother. My mother provided. Right. But when they started tricking my mother and, and sticking her inside mental institutions. Right, because of her mental to, illnesses. To, to take her properties, mm-hmm. to take her, her stores and all that. I was living worse than the girl that was living off the can. Okay. You understand? So I that was where the change shoes. came in. It was, it was a whole lifestyle came. change. Yeah, but before the drug game, before the drug game. So you didn't decide to get involved in the drug game until you were forced to face life's realities no, because when your mother sugar wasn't sugar daddies able. wasn't giving no more money sugar daddies got hip to the game you understand because before you get to anybody that gets into the drug game has to fall into a sugar daddy or sugar mama issue before you wind up going into the drug game when that sucker sucks in you wind up going to the drug game because then you say fuck I can fence for myself I don't okay. got nobody giving me nothing else. So while you was with your mother, that she was giving you what you needed and all that, you still had a sugar daddy and all that too. Yeah, it was my aunt's man. We used to take, we used to get his money, steal his money. <laughs> all right. You know, all we right. used to steal his money. And, and funny now, we um, you took me back again to a little story <laughs> about my cousin. It was me and my favorite cousin. He was gay. So. You know, back in the days... Shout out to my LGBT community. Okay. You know, back in the days, back in the days, you had to do chores to get paid. Right. We wasn't trying to do no more. My kids ain't trying to hear that now. You know, we wasn't trying to do chores, but we had to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? We had to get out under the bed when the church people came. Right. And stuff like that. So, I knew he was gay. Nobody knew. So I followed him one day and I saw a little, I saw my aunt's, you know, friend trying to get too friendly with him. And I saw him going in the house and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So here comes the mom, the end of the month. And boys club dudes are due. You got to pay. We had to pay. Right, there's the boys and girls club fees. You know, we had to pay. 
But we wasn't doing chores, so we wasn't getting no money. Mm-hmm. So we went into business, me and him. You know? What type of business was this? It was the hustle business. You know? And this is before you even got in the drug game. This is before we got in the drug game. I learned how to pimp. You became a madam. No, I was pimping. <laughs> I was pimping back then. So You started so, pimping. Yeah, I was pimping. So Which, I, let me just let y'all know, for those that are out there looking for a pimp, she still, <laughs> she still does it on the weekends, yeah? <laughs> All right, mama. So, so I went and I caught him in there. You know, I said, all right, then, you know, this nigga's giving you some money. You're really not giving him too much. You have to put a set of amount of money because now you got to include me in it. So the set of the money was we had to pay $30 for the boys club. So you got to make this $60. All right. So you know what? Hold up. Because you know what it sounds like now? Before you got involved in the drug game, because you, you know, you said that you did that because out of necessity, pretty much. They was taking advantage of your mother, locking her up in mental institutions. No, it had nothing to do with my mother. This is what you don't understand. What? The, the, the problem was me. Yeah, the that's problem, what I'm saying. I didn't now, have, now I didn't have I what see. my mother gave me. Now I see I that because you out here pimping me. your cousin before you even had to. So now I see it, it kind of sounds like no, free because now. you couldn't get free ass. I learned that from the get go. You can't give ass for free. You got to charge for that. Okay, so you pay, basically took that as an opportunity to school your cousin and make some money. Yeah, I had to get right. paid. Right. I had to get paid at All that right. point. All right. So anyway, we get back to the subject. We get him. He's going, now, months passes by, whatever. The man tried to be slick and not pay him. So we waited to his um, social security, because this motherfucker had big pensions. He had social security pension. He had SSI pension. And he had a veteran's money coming in. All right, all right. Right? So I told my cousin, listen, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be the big bag. He get his check from the first to the third, because I always calculate. I was, I, I was in love with money, so I always kept my dues, you know, mm-hmm. where the money's coming from, who had money and who didn't have money. I didn't give a dime, but I was going to get money, right. you know? So, at the end of the day, I took him. Don't drink my shit. At the end of the day, I took him. I said, you're going to go. I, I got four other people, you know, to be in the in the spot with us. <coughs> I told him, you're going to go inside this nigga's house. Leave the door open. I'm going to act, and I'm going to go in. You're going to act. You make sure you have your pants off and stuff like that so I could catch him, you know. In the act. In the act. So I could really pressure him. So what happens? He leaves the stuff in. We roll up in the house. The nigga got his pants down, you know. And I tell him, oh, you raped me my cousin. I'm going to tell my (laughs) aunt, right? Now, what's this? This nigga... His name was Gajito. This now nigga, you want to name drop. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't care. He didn't care. He's cool. He's a cool. Mm-hmm. His name was Gajito. This nigga didn't give a damn what I had to say. He told me, you ain't getting no money. Mm. You want money, you got to show me some theta or something. Right. I said, oh, nigga, you raping my cousin. I'm telling. <coughs> so the nigga played hardball. What happened was we wanted to have to tie this nigga up and take his money. Wow. So we tied them up and everything, took all his money, and ran. What happens? This nigga started acting all scary. My cousin. Your cousin. <laughs> I said, nigga, you can't scare because, you know, if they find out you're fat or whatever, you're going to get in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. So we gotta keep this under hush. Right. I'm gonna get a fella. I'm gonna get a fella, but you're gonna get in trouble. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he tried to. So hold y'all was on. trying to find the ex. In 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 the act of all that, overall, your good heart was trying to find an excuse for him to be able to come out the closet. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we went to my mother. We didn't go to his house. Now, mind you, your mom was the cool aunt considered between them. Yeah, between yeah. The, the one you could talk. Okay. The one you could talk to. Okay. So I went. Uh, I went. She was kind of crazy, but you know. You could talk to her. So we took him to her. I told my mother, you know, that he was a faggot and, and stuff like that. And my mother was like, oh, papito, don't worry. I'm going to tell you. We never told her we stole the man's money or anything like that. But mind you, I'm living with my aunt. I'm not living with my mother. Right. You know, because my mother just came out the hospital. Right. And, you know, the guy go through the process with the, with um BCW back right. then. Right, So what happens? So we go over there. And I'm in the house chilling. This motherfucker shows up early in the morning before we go to school with the cops. No. Talk about we robbed it because we had him tied up. No. He, you know, he was able right, to lose right. himself. So, okay, I'm like, fuck it. I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, I could jump out the window, you know, boom, whatever. But the dog brownies in the, the dog brownie is in the, in the, in the bathroom. So, you know, this dog, I literally had to pay him food and stuff like that to use the bathroom right. when I poop or take a shower because he tried to, you know, bite me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the man comes with the cops or whatever. They come upstairs to the third floor because we lived in the third floor. He knocks on the door and he tells my aunt that we robbed him, but he's mentioning me. He ain't mentioning that about my cousin. Right. You know, no, que tu una freca, está mejor. Right, right. mi casa, so I open my mouth. <laughs> I said, yeah, because he was raping more because, you know, he, mommy, he, he's a faggot. What? Yeah, that's why he did. And I took his money. It's true. I took his money inside, but he was raping and stuff like that. So he winds up going to jail, the mm. old man, with no money. Then my aunt tells me, where's the money? <laughs> Wait, we're going to leave that there. We're going to leave that story there, and we're going to get back to the uh, matter at hand. Okay. The matter at hand was you getting into the drug game. Okay. How did your mother feel my mother when you nothing. decided to get My mother didn't know nothing. You couldn't tell my mother anything about me. What part you didn't understand from the beginning of the story. All right, Ma, you don't got to keep checking me like that. I'm just asking. What did she feel about you joining the drug game? She didn't know anything about it. She until felt last like minute. She, I would tell her. People would tell her oh, that she's selling drugs, and I would tell her something else. Okay. I would tell her something else. So. But do you feel like maybe deep down she knew? Oh, yeah, she knew. She knew. She knew. It? She knew. She just didn't want to agree with nobody, really. Okay. And didn't want to hear me, but she knew. She okay. Knew. Now, was... throughout that whole process... Uh, you know, you did enjoy, you did get to enjoy a lot of the lavishes that came with it, but unfortunately, like a lot of drug empire lifestyles, at some point, it ends up coming to an end, and it came to an end the day that you were arrested. Yeah, but I want to clarify to you, mm-hmm. I didn't live a lavish lifestyle because everything that I got, I got from my mother. It didn't care nothing that I got came from the drug game. My 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 experience okay. with the drug game was for me to floss with my friends, take them, right. buy them. 
Because right. I, ne- I never use my money for my kids or or, right. or, or my house within myself. Okay, but then that comes down to you. <coughs> That's what you decided to do with it. But you did <coughs> make money from it. Of course, I did. You of made, and you made good enough money from it. Of course. To unfortunately end up having to serve the time that you did. Because if you just nickel and diamond on the corner, you would have not served the time that you did. No, I served the time so, that I did because... But let's let's go back to the day that you got arrested. Mm-hmm. What was that day like for you? What, what, well, you know, what emotions were you going through, like, as far as, you know, thinking of your kids, getting cuffed, you know, the whole process? Because now everything that you knew... And let me let me just bring the viewers to this. When this happened, you were coming from yeah back to your international lifestyle. You were coming from overseas, right? Mm-hmm. From Curacao. You were coming back into the states. And what kind of drugs? And around how much do you think you was carrying? I had hundred and fifty tons. Of pure fish killed the best in the market. Keys. Mm-hmm. Keys. Keys. At that point, at that point, with all the process that went through it and everything, you know, because like I say, they always have a lame man. I got caught, but the bigger low went through. That's how, I, how right. that's how the good right, right. drug dames go, you know. But now, when that happened, and you already saw, all right. You were the target. Mm-hmm. The authorities were coming for you. Now, at this time, you had some of my siblings with you, right? Mm-hmm. What feelings, what emotions did you go through knowing what was about to take place? Honestly, I was afraid, but I was more afraid about them than anything because I still couldn't believe it, honestly. I was so naive, honestly. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't believe what was going on. I couldn't believe the situation that was going on, you know, so. Right. Even, even, even after, it literally took me, honestly, four months of being confined with nobody knowing where I was at that point, because they knew I got arrested, but they didn't know where I was or what had happened right. for four months. Wow. You know, um so when you had um now I know normally it takes just a couple of days to initially see a judge and then there they give you a date and all that. You didn't have anybody with you the very first time that you faced a judge then, right? I only faced him one time. I got condemned and that was it. Are you serious? Now that one I didn't, shot that I didn't one even shot deal. know. It didn't even last not even five minutes. Wow. It didn't even last five minutes, bro. And was this? And they well, knew, I mean, then again, they, they did knew, catch you they right knew, handed. They, they knew I was a mule, right but they knew right. I was a mule. They knew it wasn't mine. They knew it was, I was a mule. Right. But they didn't care. Right. They didn't care. I had the opportunity to bring my case to New York, but my mother worked so hard in her political side. Her family is very politically. I didn't want to ruin my mother's reputation, so I decided. I did this on my own. Let me stick it out. Whatever happens, happens. Right, because um, 
because she could your mother had like you influence. said political ties influence. and she was very involved in the community and you know despite her illnesses that took over later on yeah. in her youth she was very involved in her community and she was very involved in local politics and, and I, had a lot of connections no and i had, and we had an uncle that was one of the 12th circuit judge in new york I could I couldn't I couldn't basically walked out if I would have taken it to New York. Mm. But then again it would have give exposure to a man that lived his whole life building his career right. for trying to help me, his right. his niece's daughter. Right. So why bring all that legacy that they worked so hard right. for my mistakes. So I And it takes somebody to, real. I, Honestly, it takes somebody to real stay to where do I that. Was. It takes somebody real to do that. So I definitely got to give you a lot of props for that. Mm -hmm. Because any coward in a situation like that would have been like, let me call the homie so they could hook this up. Because I'm not trying to do this time. Anybody that, you know, would have had those type of connects. So for you to definitely stand your own ground and say, you know what, I'm going to do this time. I'm going to take it to the chest. That definitely does say a lot. Now, um, when you were sentenced... And how much how much time did they sentence you with they exactly? They gave me a hundred and thirty months. A hundred and thirty months. What's that breakdown? Like that's 10 about years? ten years. Okay. They sentenced you to ten years. When they sentenced you in that courtroom, <coughs> what were some of the fears that you started going? Some of the anxieties that you started feeling at that moment. It's funny that you say that, and you know, and you're not. Perhaps you might not believe me, but what I'm about to tell you. Honest to God, one part of me smiled and laughed because I was counting. Ah, that's nothing because I just heard the numbers. Right. Right? So I said, that ain't nothing. I took it like nothing. But when I got to the cell and started counting, I said, wait, these are months. Months turned into years. Years right. into his legacy. Right. I was like, yo, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> You know, that's when it hit me. Right, right, right. You know, that's when it hit me. It didn't hit you me thought, in the car. You thought it was a car note. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That shit wasn't a car note. Now, what, what did say me was, what did say me was, that in those four months that I was hitting, because then again, it was a big industry behind me. They mm-hmm. knew it. Right. But they knew I was just a So mule. they was fishing. For right. four months, they was fishing. Right. To see okay. what, they could, what they could come up okay. with before they bring me to okay. court. Okay, so in that time frame, what, what, I, what I was able to conceive out of that was that the people that I, I familiar myself with... That you thought was your inner circle... No, the people that I familiar myself across seas with okay, okay. were the ones that really looked out for me. Wow. Not in my inner circle. Wow. Okay. Because before I went, before I got sentenced, right. when I was getting sentenced, that's why I told you it only took five mm-hmm. minutes, I had a Colombian um, lawyer that mm-hmm. I didn't even know from a hole in the wall. Right. You understand? And this was provided and I'm by them? By them. Wow. And I'm looking at 100, $150 dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Wind up going into court, getting sentenced only for 11 keys. Wow. The rest disappear from the thing. They don't know what happened. Mm. Or nothing. You understand? So right. that was the good part. 
So because so I your came sentence in with of the ten years I came was, in with was only for the eleven keys, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. had they no, actually? And because I caught, I caught, I caught. Um, I I lost, I lost my halfway house and all my other stuff because of the issues that I was having in there after I got sentenced. Okay, but we're going to go to that stuff afterwards. We're going to go to that stuff okay. afterwards. So right now, you know, you got sentenced. You're facing... You already know you're going to face the time. You're back in the cell. You realize, like, oh, shit, these niggas is talking got, about years. Um, at that point, now that you realize, what were what were some of the fears that struck you as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as a woman? My in kids general. and my mom, because that's that's who I, I, I lived for. My kids and my mom. Like, what will happen with them? What will happen with them? Right. <laughs> what will happen with my mom? Okay, so um, we got cut off due to timing, but, you know, where we left off at, Ma, you were saying, you know, some of the fears that were triggering you, that, that were hitting you at that moment were, you know, what your... <coughs> kids and what your mother was going to have to face because your mo- your mother was mentally ill. You know, what were they going to have to some of the challenges that they were going to have to face now with you being out of the picture you've been sentenced. Um what were some of the other things though as a woman? You knowing now you're incarcerated, you know, you you in this holding block a whole bunch of women that you don't know. You know, what What were some of those uh, realities that, were, you know, as those realities were hitting you, what were some of the feelings that you were feeling towards that? Well, basically, once once, once I, I left the bullpen and I, and I was actually sent into a prison, Right. my first stop was um, in a camp. It was Marietta Camp. It just had just opened. And... Um, you know, it's, it's just like, a lot of people say, no, it don't happen. It's just like you see on TV, they stand you up there, you're walking in those gates, all those women are there, seeing what, who's coming fresh in. Meat. French men, they'll right, spit right. it up right there, you're big, you know, you mind, this and that. I mind you, I was cocky myself. So I'm coming in, you know, I'm coming in, here comes a big birth, the motherfucker, you know, talk about, I got you. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this is what they told you. This is what they told me. Big Bertha. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm in there, and basically, I have to start living a life within there. Right. Which I thank God that He gave me the opportunity, and I say God gave me the opportunity because I was in a world that I didn't know of. Mm-hmm. All I knew was what I seen in TV. Right. Not actually living it. Right. You understand? Which is two different concepts. But he gave me the wisdom that I was able to de- deviate myself from a lot of issues that I could have happened. Right. And I wind up in a worse place. So now what you're referring to are the challenges. <sighs> The challenges that you had to face in there. Right exactly. now, what were some of those challenges? Well, basically, the, like I said, you know... What was the first situation? My first situation was coming into the camp. Coming into... I got a big bitch. She's maybe about 5'9". <laughs> big, big brolic sister. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm short. Sister you know? meaning African American. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, coming in and she's like, yo, I got you. And nobody look at her. That's and she me. giving you the wink. Yeah, like that's me. She's letting everybody know because this is the big Kahuna from the camp. This is okay. the one that runs okay. the runs the fork. Right. This you know Debo. This, this Debo. Debo. This Debo. <laughs> this is the Debo from the right. from the right. from there. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, damn man, I'm gonna have to do this now, mind you. I could honestly say I've never had even outside. I've never had. A really physical encounter only in my school years, you know, and that's okay. school years. Right, right. As a woman, I've always been low key. You know what I'm saying? You don't mess with me, I don't mess with you. But if you take me there, I know how to handle myself. You know right. what I'm saying? So, but I thank God he always had. Oh, he, I guess he had his ways for me, some way or another. Which he always does for everybody. You know? So, mm-hmm. um, here come Debo. She sent me some chocolates. She now, you know. So she tried to butter you up first. She didn't. Yeah. She uh, now. See now, I don't know if we could call her Debo now because she tried to warm you up too. No, no, you know no, what I'm saying? This was if she was Debo, Debo she would have just let no, you know that. No, listen, no, that no, that no, no, right there is mine. No, there ain't no going was back. Actually, Debo, she was just trying to catch my attention, letting me know that don't try to slip nowhere because you're going to be mine regardless what you say. You know what I'm saying? Well, at least she was trying to warm you up to you it, though. Let, let's give her that. She was trying you know to I'm give, saying? you know, she was trying to welcome you. She ain't, uh, she ain't just snatch it. No, she didn't got it. She didn't got it. Oh, that, she didn't get she it. Okay, so how did that go then? So how did that go? That's what I'm telling you. She never uh-huh. got it. All right, what happened? So, boom. I think she left like a week go by. I think this, this is after crazy. she sent yeah. you like the chocolates chocolate and shit. Okay. Week go by. Now when you inside, y'all got like courier services and shit that like they could use to. Uh... No, they they when you inside. Well, at this point, I was at the outside because you have the behind the wall, which is just like the men's person. These are the different sectors, up. right? Right. Right. Okay. But and where this happened was was at a campground. It was more like a general population. No man, it was like a club man, man. No lie. What? Bitches in there were walking around with fur coats, high heels, shit like you that. You lying? God is my witness. The system ain't nothing like it was back then. Okay. The feds, they were they were walking in high heels and all, and and the time that I came in through pastoring through there. That's where all the conflict was coming. Okay, uh, that, that when they inmate, were making the system that, changes. That, that inmates were dressing better than the warrants okay. and the workers there, so they started taking a lot of stuff. I thank God that where I was, I was able to indulge a little bit of the pool. We had tennis courts. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was like a club man, man. For real. <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. so let's get back to Debo. So here comes Debo. We pass. I guess she saw I didn't give her no time or play or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Now, all right, you ain't give her no play, but at that time, because I know nowadays, you know, not saying that you flip-flop, but both of us, you know, we have an eye for feminism. You know what I'm saying? No, I appreciate a woman. Me too. I consider myself to be straight. <coughs> I consider myself, you know, to 
as far as you know relationship wise i will only commit to a man i only see myself having that traditional relationship at this time did did you have an eye for women were you curious or had, did no, you already I, 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 i'm keeping it real mm-hmm. i've always had encounters with females even okay. when i was younger okay and i'm talking about in my early age in public schools you know what okay I'm so let's like get that. back to debo so Talking with Debo, <laughs> I'm so mad we call her Debo, but go ahead. <laughs> she, she didn't give up, you know what I'm saying? So she comes in the mess hall, which is where we go eat and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'm sitting there with a couple of girls, you know, on my own because everybody's sitting, but I'm not really connected to nobody because I don't right. know nobody. Right. You haven't found you your know? group yet, right? Uh-huh. So at the end of the day, you know, Debo comes to the table. I see everybody getting up, all scared. Oh my you know? god. This sounds like some, uh, what's that show? Orange, what is it? Orange is the new black shit. That's what, that's what this sounds like. I own no copyright to that. All right, go ahead. It's something familiar to that, man. Um, so they come, you know, her her friends sit down and everything, you know, because it was a party of three. Okay. It was and her two sides. Oh my God. All right. So they all approach you. They, In the mess hall. In the mess hall. She, Mm -hmm. sits, everybody else leaves the table, man, with trays. But her two people. But her two people stand up and she sits down. Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm there eating. I'm just trying to look at my plate and play. <laughs> Not even give her no attention. Because I never, re- right. you know, I'm trying to feel the food and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, she comes out across from the table. She says, you know, you could eat something better than that. You know what I'm saying? Um, all you got to do is, you know, go under my wing and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? What you talking about going under your wing? You know what I'm saying? She was like, no, you know, you're going to be my girl. So I said, I, she said, gonna be my girls. I said, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. This is, I didn't come here to look for a female or know that because I've had my encounters. Okay. You understand? Mm-hmm. But you're not gonna come here and get in my face and tell me that I'm gonna be yours. Because I'm not. I choose to be yours if I choose to. It's not because now, you want to. All right, so now so I gotta Now, now this Hold is an a, a epic of a fight. Right, because now you standing up to the big kahuna, like you said. Right. So she Now said, wait a minute. What gave you the heart to do that? Was it because you was like, fuck that? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna be able to hold my own ground, I'm gonna have to do it from now, that is the beginning? Or was it just like anxiety kicking in, like no motherfucking you're not no, gonna... Because back back in the days, back in the day my mama always told me because my mama did sometimes. You know, my mama always told me you know, you don't look for trouble, but if the if the if the if big it comes person, your way, if, the, if it comes your way, whoever comes your way, normally mm-hmm. the person that's gonna step to you is the one that runs the show mm-hmm. in that prison. Right. And if you back down for that, you're gonna be everybody else's little twitch. Bitch, right. So either you fight, even if you get messed up, you get you had you that heart. Not, you understand? Which you instilled in me. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So at that precise moment, let me tell you, girl, I was. Man, if, if, if shit could have came out of my ass, it probably would have. <laughs> you know I was just looking up. You know oh what I'm saying? When she sat yes. up and she put her two pawns on that table, I knew it was a done deal. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? But I got up. I got up, you know, and I looked at her and said, so what are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? Right. She just slapped in my face, and that even got me madder because she's just like, yo, you, you, you just got here. You trying to press me? Right. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, nah. You know, I'm not trying to express you, but I'm going to get my respect. 
I don't care if you, if you knock me down 50 times, I'm going to keep getting up. And I'm going to still say no. Mm-hmm. The day I want to say yeah, I'll let you know I want to say yeah. But it's not you or anybody here going to tell me who I'm going to be with or who I'm not going to be with. Mm. And right now, I'm not feeling none of that shit. I just got right. sentenced, and I don't even know what the hell am I doing. Mm. Now, all right, so so let's stay away from all that now. Now, you know, a lot of people look at people being incarcerated, people that serve time as failures, as menaces to societies. Um you took advantage of your time in there. You accomplished a lot of things. What were some of the things that you accomplished while you were in there? I was able I was able to conceive my 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 GED, mm-hmm. which I didn't have. At what age did you <coughs> drop out of school? I dropped out of school. Oh what grade? Twelfth. Twelfth grade? Okay, so you did make it yeah. to twelve. Yeah, I made okay. it to twelve. I just didn't graduate. Which I understand because let me just let y'all know, and I'm sure you could already tell with the hour and some change that you've been listening. She is very smart and very savvy, you know. Um, I'm so proud to be her daughter. You know, we're going to get there when we get there, but back to you, Mama. What were some of the achievements that you were able to accomplish while incarcerated? Because you didn't, you didn't just sit there and count the days. No, you didn't just no. sit there and the mope. First, you made shit happen. What the did first, you do? No, I'm gonna keep it real for you. The first two years, mm-hmm. it was a joke for me. It was a joke because I still was dealing with the situation. I was missing my kids. I was missing my mom. I didn't have my mom virtually because she was my backbone with my mom. I thought I was safe. I felt in a zone that I didn't even know. You understand? I really literally slept with one eye open. You know what I'm saying? Everybody in cahoots. I got Debo on my back. Want to be with me? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I'm trying to keep away. Everybody else is scared of so. Any person that was living with me in the mm-hmm. same cell would literally, I felt, would literally walk out and let her come in because they scared of her, mm-hmm. you know? So I made arrangements, I, I made some moves or whatever, and I was able to get my own unit. Thank God for that. Okay. But um, getting back to the subject, I could literally tell you and say that my GD, I call GD, I call... Um, Living living style certificates, which that consists of helping suicidal people, you know, wanting to live. I I worked with inmates in okay. there, like you know counseling counseling exactly. certificates, right? Okay. So, but that wasn't my biggest achievement to myself. Okay. My biggest achievement to myself was to learn how to appreciate the air. Every instant. Every roach, every fly, <laughs> any type of animal, everyone has a purpose here in life. Mm. We might not go agree of why they're here, mm-hmm. but without them, none of us will be here. So I learned a lot about the Amazon, how to live with peace within myself. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I had to leave, take myself out of the living world of the society and move into this cottage, which it was a self-made world in order to survive the years in there. Right. Because at the same time... You had to realize that you wasn't in the outside world anymore. Right, and I couldn't 
live in both worlds. Mm-hmm. Because when I was doing that in the beginning, it caused me a lot of conflict, cost me a lot of right. fight. And you say that as far as you calling back home, calling as back far home, as you reaching out. And, okay. and not only that, but accepting myself in there. Because okay. I had the right tools mm-hmm. to get to Harvard if I chose to. Right. Because I had my mother. Mm-hmm. I had the connection. Mm-hmm. But I chose the streets. Right. You see what I'm saying? Due to the fact that my mother was mentally ill. Right. Because either I choose the street to survive or I stay confined in a place and get abused. Mm-hmm. Because those times that she was taken away, you were abused. Being abused. So I had to do what I had to do. You know? And I thank God... Honestly, that I was able to suppress the world from the outside and begin to live the world in the inside. And you know what? For you to say that that to you is one of is your biggest accomplishment says a lot. Because first of all, you don't get that on a certificate. That's one. And secondly, it says a lot about <coughs> your inner growth. You know, how you yourself grew and learned to not only accept the environment that you're in, but make the best of the environment that you're in and the situation that you were in. And not many people could do that because, you see, you chose to eliminate the outside world so you could face your realities and become independent and grow strength off of them. Some people, when they become incarcerated live off of the outside they yearn for that connection they have to reach out and have some type of connection in the outside world for them to not commit suicide for them to be able to just deal with that incarcerated lifestyle so you decided to just pull yourself back from everything so you could face your consequences, basically, because it was the consequences to your actions. And survive it, and not only survive it, but come out on top, because you came out a damn good woman. Thank you, thank you. But come out on top. So now, with that being said, times have changed. I mean, I see a whole lot of fuckery. And I want for y'all to excuse my language, because it has a lot to do with my upbringing. (laughs) It has a lot to do with the fact that I'm from New York. And unfortunately, I wasn't raised in Manhattan. I was raised in the Bronx. And all we did was curse all the time. Okay? But it's just a form of expression. You know what I'm saying? We don't mean it in any harsh ways. But nowadays, niggas, I I feel like people just take shit and life, period, as a joke. You know, back then, gangland, let's just say gangland, was actually gangland. Bloods, Crips, uh, Latin Kings, uh, what is it, Mese Treses, whatever the hell those were. M13s. Yeah, the M13s. Like, the Nietos, the Nietos. You know, all of those gangs, 
people feared them because of the things that they did. And it's like nine day people just throw up signs with their hands. They do this, that, and the third. And there's like no repercussion to it. Not saying that I would want for it to go back to that because I'm not, I'm not the street life. You know what I'm saying? I did whatever I did in my time. Now and day, that's not me either. You know, we'll, we'll address the, those topics at a later time. But comparing to what things are now to what the game was when you was in it, what are some of the differences that you see? There's no loyalty. Mm. Definitely. I could definitely agree with that. And by loyalty, you mean... By loyalty, I mean that if you got napped... If you got napped, you got napped. You got locked up, basically, right? You you don't know nothing. Right. You swallow it. That's yours and that's that. Mm-hmm. No name calling, no name shouting, whether they gave you money for the lawyer, whether they didn't give you money for the lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, days, a nigga don't, ain't even put right in the motherfucking police car, mm-hmm. and they're already kicking out names. You know, and it's crazy. Because back then, you had drugs. Mm-hmm. Today, they're using a whole bunch of chemicals that just killing people. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? It ain't even, it ain't even mm-hmm. top quality. You talk, you talk. Not, say, not saying that we encouraging this shit, but we just want to speak the facts, you know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't really spoken much about uh, some of my experience and things that I've gone through because, like I said, the topic of this episode was roots. I want for y'all to see what... It was before and in my early childhood, which is everything that she's giving you guys. And at a later time, I will express the things that I've been through. But like she said, you know, it's not the same in many ways. Loyalty being <coughs> one of them. And, and what else? <coughs> you could go right now to a comment, to a comment, to a comment drug dealer, and you and you talk to them about. Oh, let me let me let me see some fish kill. They don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because in my days, mm-hmm. there was no discrepancy. You, it was loyalty over anything. Right. Over family, over anything. Mm-hmm. Friendship was a friendship. You understand? I could honestly say I was able to participate. And back then with, with, in with the, the drug big, cartels. With the, with, with the big dogs. With right. the big dogs. And still sit here today and walk freely down the street in every corner. Don't worry about somebody trying to nip my hair because of loyalty. Right. You, did, you understand? You did, you, you did what you had to and, do. You and I consider, my, I consider myself now and then a true friend. That's why I don't mm-hmm. have friends. And that was the difference back then. I, I feel that that was one of the differences back then is that not only were there business ties, because, I mean, we we have to understand, you know, whether it's a blue-collar crime, a, a white-collar crime, an inner-city crime. Back then, compared to now, with the business dealings, because at the end of the day, they're just different. It's a different type of business. Mm-hmm. One gets taxed, one doesn't. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, back then, with those types of businesses and those types of connections, with that loyalty came friendships. You knew not to cross that line because at the end of the day, that was your friend. You knew that you decided to do what you did at your own will. 
And you have to take the responsibility for it. It's like, I'm going to give you a little um, example. Back then, you could take a crackhead to your house and leave him there. Let him take a bath, eat, go do your 50,000 shopping that you're going to come back and all your stuff is there. And this is a bona fide crackhead. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't even open the door. Mm-hmm. Because the nigga might kill you. You're absolutely right. And you not only that, saying? but you know what? what's one of the things that I've noticed that's huge? You know, back then and even, you know, in the movies, fucking Scarface shit, we see, we see, you know, a lot of the drug cartel sometimes, most times, using their own product. Back then, they may have done it, but they didn't do it so freely. And recreationally, as they do now. Now, you don't know if you go in to, you know, you go to cop and you go in to cop off the fiend. There's fiends copping off of fiends nowadays. You know, back then, there was actually statutes to this shit. Like, there was rules to this shit. There, you know, there was levels to this shit. And it's like, you nowadays... You soldiers. Everything had a... Everything nowadays, had, there's, like, no system in place. It's like, everybody want to get put on. Everybody's doing whatever. They using, you know, whatever ways they using to get by and make their sales. But you can't tell the difference from a fucking fiend and, and the dealer. No, and one thing I want y'all to understand is this. When a woman was mixed in the drug game, it was because she earned it. This is back then. Back then. Okay. She earned it. Now you have a lot of females that are in 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 in, in that and they or at least think hurt. they are. They or think at least they think are. they are. Because you know a lot saying? of the times they just being used and abused, like you said, they getting hurt. Beat down. Uh-huh. Getting getting trapping for nothing. Back then they not even, walk around. Not with even mix. for the bag that they want to sniff. Right. They they get hurt for that bag. Because if the nigga wants the whole shit, you gotta give it to him. You know what I'm saying? Alright. So enough enough of that. Enough of that matter for now. Cause we already know. I'm sure the listeners know, you know, things just aren't the same as they were before. Um, how did those experiences affect the outlook, your outlook on life? You know, having going on that roller coaster ride since your early childhood, up and down. You know, when we're living in the moment, as a child, we're like, "Damn, why we got to go to bed? Damn, why we got to do this?" You know. Then you enter your adulthood. Damn. In your, in your situation, now I'm locked up. Now I got to do this. Now I got to think about this. You know, how did all of those experiences affect today? How you look at life. <clears throat> and the things that you face today. It's It's hard because, you know, like I said, you have to really... Put yourself in a strong mind situation. And because I'm going to take it for myself. And I, I'm going I'm to try to explain it the best way that I know I could explain it. And if I have some rough patches, you might f- fix mm-hmm. it for me. Okay, first of all. When I came home after doing the bid that I did. Okay, I paid my time. I came to society. Mind you, I just finished giving society 10 years of my life for a crime that I committed, mm-hmm. that I truly paid for. Right. 
right? But coming back <coughs> to society, when she was supposed to be back then, so I can imagine now it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Back then, a reform situation where they help you out to better yourself and mm-hmm. all that. Well, the, the, the word reform, they've been throwing around for years. Okay? So now what happens? I come look for a job. Can't get it. Can't get it because red light. But they didn't say the Their consequences. Record. Right. Why I went to jail mm-hmm. or what I did while I was in jail. They don't care. Mhm. You understand? And you Which honestly is something that, you know, I feel that today and age they should take into consideration. consideration. Yes. Because it, all right, if you go and you sit there, you do your time, that's one thing. Now if you go in there, you being productive, you showing a change of heart, you showing that you are trying to better yourself, I do agree. I do feel that that's something that they should take into consideration. No one should have to be released from a situation like that and then have to face the challenges of not being able to move forward with life because now they got this sentence still hanging over their mm-hmm. head, which is what you faced. Right. And you faced for to this uh, day, hey. honestly. To this day, I can't even say we're not, you know, <coughs> because I've seen you go out and look for work and I've seen, I, I've witnessed you try to put your better foot forward and only been successful in off-the-book situation. And in minority jobs that I know I could do better. You understand? It's not like um, you, um, most of us come out here, we get our degrees in there, we do what we have to do mm-hmm. to make our time goes pass by, but at the same time, educate ourselves even more. Right. Okay? And then we come out here with all this education and we and can't can apply it. job. Right. You understand? You learn you learn like with me, the little bit that I learned in there, as well like I told you, getting my G getting all these certificates and that I learned how to self coach um suicidal patients. And let me just say, she right now is downplaying it, okay, because I remember there was a time, um, and you know, it was one of our rougher times where she was uh you know, we decided to move back to New York. She was released. Like she said, she was down in Mariana, Florida. We lived for some time in Florida when she came home. And we ended up moving back to New York. Fast forward, we're in a shelter. And I remember decorating and having a whole wall full of certificates. And it wasn't just my certificates. It was your certificates up there, too. So you had a couple of certificates under your belt that you that you got while you were in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And due to society and its system, you wasn't able to apply it in something, in, you know, in, in the lifestyle that you could be proud of. You know, like you said, you were landing odd end jobs, minor, you know, for the minority. Mm-hmm. Having the education that you had already received while being incarcerated with no acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that I know that that definitely has to suck. Pretty much like that. That's like the only word I could come up with, you know. But you know, you still manage to come out strong. You still manage to come out on top, and continue every day to move forward, experiencing everything that you have, um, because of some of those situations. Like you said, you haven't been able to land some of the positions that you wish that you could have, but 
there's always tomorrow. There's still you can always still continue to try and you know try and move forward from those shadows. You know. With that being said, all of those experiences that you went through. I feel did also have an effect on me. You know, I went through my trials and tribulations with having to go from a group home, which honestly, the whole group home uh, era, I have to say, you know, I was very young at that age when it all had first initially went down and we went to the group home. Um, I had a playhouse in the back. Like, I, I really didn't realize what was going on other than, other than I do remember, you know, the actual day that um, I would say BCW. That was what we called the ACS systems of child services back then. I remember them coming. I vividly remember, like, Brenda was bathing me. That's my older sister. My older sister was bathing me. And I know I wasn't a name job, but that shit just slipped. Um, and... Like, I saw, like, the the lights outside and the siren, and I heard the sirens, and she just ran to the bathroom, and she threw a white tee on me. Mind you, I'm only, like, four years old. She throws this big-ass white tee on me, and we hide under the bed. I remember that. But then from there, I like, they found us, and then it, it, it like, flash-forwards to us sitting... <laughs> Um, in the back of the paddy wagon. We were sitting in the back of the paddy wagon. Then from there, I can remember being in the group home. And to me, like, the group home lady, she was really nice to me. I know I had to eat pork and beans with everything. That was the worst. Because we had to eat pork and beans with rice, pork and beans with all type of shit. Like, that was, like, on the menu every day. But aside from the end, uh, the group home, I remember we were separated. We ended up being separated by age difference. And me and my youngest uh, sibling, my uh, the other youngest sibling, a male, my brother, uh, we were in the same group home. And uh, it just, it broke my, my oldest sister's heart because she was like the caretaker. She was like the keeper. And uh, because of that, they moved us to a group home that was right behind the one that she was in with my other older siblings. And... Um, you know, we were there for a while, and we would see each other through the gates every day in the backyard. But all in all, honestly, I was happy because, like, I had, like, the uh, the lady in the group home was nice. You know, she wasn't abusive to me or anything like that. I had my little kitchen and my playhouse in the backyard. I used to take snacks with me. <laughs> I thought that I, I really, you know, reality really didn't set in. Um, but, again, also, one of the... Um, the farthest uh, memories that I could uh, think of, like, during that era, during that time, was when my sisters came home from when, from the day that you had gotten locked up. They came home, and they gave me a red smiley face camera. The camera, it, w- it was a plastic fake camera. The lens on it was a smiley face. It was a yellow smiley face. And I remember they told me that you gave, that you sent that for me. And, like, they was, like, crying. And then, you know, they, they were saying everything that had happened, whatever. And that was that. And from then on, then I just remember going to New York. 
living through those trials and everything that I faced then. But everything that I went through, and I want for you to know, most importantly, Mom, that I use that as a strength now and then. You know, growing up, I saw it as not just flaws, but I saw it as, you know, it, it, it built up anger in me throughout my teenage years because I was like, you know, why did I have to go through this? Why? Now, mind you, I want you guys to know the, the couple of years that I did live with my mom when she came home after her incarceration and everything, she fucking spoiled the shit out of me. I'm going to say, now I did deserve it because I did do my thing in school and I did do what I had to do, but there were also times where I got a little bit loose and thought I was grown and she probably had to wax this ass like twice, but overall, you know, that didn't, that didn't, uh, take away, you know, have being spoiled by you then didn't take away the scars that were embedded. embedded on me when you were away. But today in age, I can say that I use that as my strength. The same way that you adapt, and I, I give thanks to it because it not only helps me survive, it allows me to move forward, and it has allowed me to grow <laughs> as a person and broaden my horizons with other cultures, other ethnicities, and people that, you know, even in, you know, office business environments, <clears throat> you get into those types of atmospheres and, you know, you have your little groups of certain groups of people that stick together and talk. And regardless of what environment I'm in, it's, I feel like I'm the floater. Regardless of what job I've landed, it's like I'm the floater. Like, I'll, I'll have the group of geeks over there, let's say. I have the group of the popular girls over there. In high school, I have the group of the uh, the athletes over there, the musicians over here. And I made friendships with everyone from every group. Everybody knew me. High school, every job that I had. It didn't ma- it didn't matter if I worked in the mailing room, which just so y'all know I never did. Um I would know everybody in the office. And not that I would make it my job to, it's just I felt like it doesn't matter how low you may think of a person. You never know what walk of life that person is facing at that time. So I always made it my business because of the dark times that I faced to be and want to be that spark of light that people see. If I walk by somebody and they don't say good morning to me, I say good morning to let them know and give them the acknowledgement like I see you. They They don't have to say it back. And honestly, a lot of the times, the ones that walk with their noses in the air, they won't say it back. And eventually, I might stop saying good morning. But I do give that initiative because of what you've shown me. You know, you've always been a helper to society, a helper to all of your siblings, a helper to everyone in your family, to the community, everybody that you come by. And as your child growing up and, you know, 
a lot of, you know, my siblings as well, you know, a lot of the time will be like, Ma, like, why you always got to help? Like, you always want to do this, you want to do that. Do it for yourself. Do it for yourself. Not realizing that sometimes God sends you here as a helper. At the end of the day, the president couldn't be where he is without his campaign. And the campaign is built of nothing but helpers. People helping him get to that chair. You know what I'm saying? So you are a rock for a lot of us, you know. And throughout my childhood, and not really my childhood because I really didn't know much, but my teenage years and growing up, you know, my early 20s even, I didn't realize that. But today in age, I want you to know that I realize that and I acknowledge it. And I thank you for being able to install that in me because I am who I am today because of those challenges. And I have to give thanks also to Wella, grandma, for those of you that don't know Spanish, because the trials that she went through caused you to go through yours and caused me to go through mine. You know what I'm saying? A lot of things, you know, sometimes, and especially in this day and age and in the future, I hope it does change because right now I feel like society's a little fucked up. But there are some traditions and some trials that we do have to face in order to be able to grow and say, you know what, okay, I accept who I am. These are the minor things that I want to change because not everything has to be changed, you know. And um, I just want you to know how thankful I am, first of all, for you being willing to do uh, the show so openly because let me just let you listeners know that I wanted to uh, run some of these questions by her just so she doesn't feel like she was caught off guard or disrespected in any way because I love her and respect my mother but she just she decided to not listen to it and she wanted to just give it to you guys raw and I hope that you appreciate it and enjoyed the show uh, mom do you have anything that you wanted to leave them with well, my last words that I want to leave with y- with y'all is that no matter what happens and no matter what takes place in your life at this present moment, always remember everything and everyone has a purpose in life. And whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, some way or some time down the road, it will come across your path again. So if you take a slight little moment and just think about what choice you would do when you come across it, perhaps when you go down the road and it comes backwards again, you will see and have the correct answer and know where to direct it. And with that said, I just hope y'all enjoyed this and yeah, my hear from her in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Um, so on that note, I'm gonna leave you guys with an end quote for uh, the session, and this quote is by the late Tupac Shakur. And again, I want you guys to know, you know, when you listen to my station, you're gonna, you know, I want you to be open to. A lot of diverse information and music and, you know, hopefully I'll be able to add some music to this. That's that's what I'm planning. Um, hopefully I don't <coughs> get into any issues with copyright infringements or anything like that. But um, 
yeah, I want for you to know, you know, when you listen to my station, it's not just going to be uh, topics like this. It's going to be a, a, a lot of different topics. A lot of it has to do with real life scenarios. But I will, you know, here and there also draft off to just what's going on with, you know, today's day and age, you know, music. I love music. So, you know, I'm going to touch base on some artists, some things that might be going on. And even the weather, you know what I'm saying? So I hope you guys enjoyed this session and look forward to listening to me in the future. And uh, here's our end quote of the day by the late Tupac Shakur. And it is, I want to grow. I want to be better. You grow. We all grow. We're made to grow. Either you evolve or you disappear, end quote. And the reason why I chose that quote is because it's totally true. You know, we have to face many different trials and tribulations. There's a million different aspects that it can be viewed from, none of which may be similar to your own, you know, and in life, what we have to learn is to just grow and try and be better than the person that we were yesterday. You know, I feel my personal opinion, you know, I have a sister that's Muslim. I have family that's Christian. I have family that's Catholic. I don't think I have any Jews that I know of just yet, but I hope so because I hear that they get money. But, you know, overall, I have some Jehovah Witnesses. But um, overall, I feel that the biggest the biggest accomplishment is to just know that there is a God. You know, I, I, I firmly don't think that I came from a speck of dirt. But because of the, the childhood and my upbringing, I didn't have a stable religious background. So I can only be happy with knowing and giving acknowledgement that yes there is a god by whatever name he goes by there's a higher power that wants us to do right by each other i feel hella good when i do right i know when i do wrong and i feel like that has to mean something so we should all just try to appreciate the trials that we go through you know, for the time being, even though we may not understand them, because when the time is right, we will understand them and move forward and embrace every day with love and understanding so that we can grow and be better than we were yesterday. So I'm going to leave you guys on that note. I hope you enjoyed the show and you continue to listen. This is Dami Tsunami over and out. Peace.